They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is Next Gen On Mission with Shane Pruitt and Paul Wooster. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Next Gen on Mission podcast. This is Shane Pruitt, National Next Gen Director for the North American Mission Board. Always with me is my brother in Christ, my boy, Paul Wooster, our National Collegiate Director for the North American Mission Board. What's up, Paul? Hey, what's going on? Hey, I'm stoked about these guests that we have for the podcast. It's probably the first guests that are fellow surfers, so we got to geek out about it. (laughs) before we jumped on and uh, my goal is to get Shane Pruitt on a surfboard um, he, you can't wear your Jordans man but we'll get you on a board <laughs> actually we should try that that'd be great <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude I think we're gonna the plan is we're gonna start in a wave pool on a boogie board right I'm gonna use, I'm gonna use my 10 year old's boogie board and with your floaties on and everything yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah y'all were man y'all y'all were totally you know our guests and you were totally like Man, y'all had all this surf lingo talking about before we jumped on. I had no clue what y'all were talking about. You know, I'm in Dallas and we got splash pads. That's what we got, you know. We got like water shooting out of like a daisy or something, you know. <laughs> That's all we have. Yeah. Well, Paul, man, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm so excited uh, about our guest today. Uh, we have a couple on, which is so cool. I always love when we bring couples on. Mm-hmm. I think that's so awesome. And so we really have a power, power couple on today. Uh, Ethan and Diane Jago. I'm so excited about them. Ethan serves as the pastor of young adults at Olive Baptist Church in Pensacola, which is a great church. Uh, uh, Ethan served uh, in our armed forces and our military. We're so excited about that. Uh, man, Ethan is I mean, he's kind of like Aquaman, you know, the, the way he looks. And then, like, he can kill us, like, 80 different ways in, like, 10 seconds, you know, Paul. So, I bet, yeah, I bet he but, would make a, I bet he would make a better movie than Aquaman. But oh, <laughs> for sure. But, man, uh, he loves the Lord. The Lord is using him. Um, so smart, so intelligent. And, and uh, I love chatting with him. And then his much better half, you know, Ethan's like you and I, Paul, he married way over his head. Uh, his wife, Diane, uh, is uh, a follower of Jesus, um, an author of a great book called A Holy Pursuit, How the Gospel Frees Us to Follow and Lay Down Our Dreams. And so I love that. Also, um, Diane started uh, an incredible magazine um, called Deeply Rooted Magazine, and uh, her and Ethan do that together. So anyway, there's just so much. We could talk about them all day, but we want to hear from them. So Diane, Ethan, welcome to the Next Gen on Mission podcast, friends. Thanks, guys, Thank for having you. us. We're, uh, we're excited to be here, and uh, I got a bone to pick with you real quick, Shane. And Paul, I'm disappointed in you getting converted but i think i see you back with your vans again i see that shane yep. trying to get you back to the jordans and now you're back to the vans i was like oh come on man <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, that's called discipleship <laughs> <laughs> i think I'm, I'm still gonna be like 80 percent vans and then every once in a while get a splash of jordans in there <laughs> yeah because i saw him like ah uh-uh, you can't deny your roots brother no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, hey guys, we're so glad that y'all are on. Hey, before we jump into anything super spiritual, tell us one fun fact about y'all that we may not already know that we need to know. 
You want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Um, my fun fact, it's kind of an us fun fact. When I was in college, um, Ethan and I met through Facebook. So <laughs> my uh, roommate at the time is his cousin. And so he added me as a friend. I was debating whether or not I accept the request or not, but the Lord had it planned. I accepted. Um, we got married later on. <laughs> and what's cool about it is I was in, I was in Washington State. Well, obviously we got married. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Washington State and she was in Clearwater Christian so that's down in like Clearwater, Florida, Tampa. So like, you want to talk about two polar opposites yeah. where like, you know, Oh, who's God have for me? Never would I thought in a million years it would have been way that far removed. So we just think that that was a fun, cool fact is we met on the OG Facebook when you had to have a .edu address yeah. to have uh, <laughs> Facebook. I remember those days. I was having to use um, my DBU, my at DBU.edu to get on. Yeah. I remember those days. Yeah. You know, what, you know Facebook. Funny. I love it. Dude, I thought Facebook was so lame when it first came out. I was like, mm. they were like, it's really cool. You can have friends. I was like, I already have friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Paul, Paul was like old school social media. He's like, forget that. I'm sticking to MySpace. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> he's still, he was still running his Zanga site probably. Right? Yeah, the Zanga. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but now I have to get myself off the social media, so I don't know what that says. We, yeah. That's another podcast. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. I'm so excited about the topic, guys. So, Paul, as we're talking, we're going to talk about doing ministry as a couple. So, I think that's super unique, mm -hmm. but very, very important that we talk about that. Yeah, for sure. And so, before we jump into those questions, we always ask our guests this question What do we need to know about Generation Z? So, you guys have said this a lot beforehand, too. is We've got Generation Z constitutes 40% of the workforce right now. It's not like the up and coming generation. They're here already. So not only do they constitute the 40% of the workforce that they are the future leaders of America, our churches, our schools. I mean, everything that you can think of. Not only that, like this is the most in touch generation that we have as well with a supercomputer inside their pocket. Mm -hmm. uh, and the thing about Gen Z is in, uh, which is why I love what y'all are doing is it's not that we have to, uh, tailor or cater anything to them is what they're wanting is more authenticity and more real uh, transparency, I guess you could say from a pastoral ministry standpoint. And so with Gen Z is it's not this difficult nut to crack. Um, and there's not like a program you got to throw at it. It's just spending the time there being with them and not looking down on them. And the big thing too, that we've realized as a couple is not reproducing what worked back in the past and expecting it to work now is kind of be a pioneer and pave the way into the future of what it is that God's calling you to do and how you think you need to do it uh, specifically within Gen Z. Mm, that is yeah. so good. Yeah, that is, that's great. I mean, I feel like we're able to get down to the root issues faster in some ways. We can kind of just dive right in. And I, the ministries that are really seeing a lot of fruit and growth, they're able to pierce through some of the stuff I feel like before we had to do, but we can just dig right in. So yeah, I love what you said there is it's almost in some ways easier, but we have to have the courage to get in there. Man, I love that. And so I love how fired up you guys are about knowing Christ and making him known. And you're, I love just how entrepreneurial you are too, just like all these things spinning off just out of the overflow of your love for Christ. So can you guys share a little bit of your story and how God built that passion for Christ in your life? Yeah, so I grew up in a Christian home, um, didn't have a lot of discipleship 
you know, in during those years. And so it really wasn't until my college years that that was really pivotal to really spend time in like the Bible. I know it's something that I need to read, but like, is it truly living and active for me? And so um, joining Bible studies and actually, it was actually when we got married that I attended a women's study where it was like verse by verse um, teaching and studying. And that just completely changed and transformed me. I realized that every life problem that we have can be solved with scripture. God has given us this incredible book. It's just, it was really never taught to me in an applicable way. I was never taught hermeneutics. I never had an understanding of how to read it in context. I always read it with like this self me centered lens. And so when I discovered how to approach scripture with like this God centered view that Jesus is throughout the pages of scripture throughout the entire thing, not just in the gospels, that changed me and sparked this desire to teach other women um, to do the same and how that kind of knowledge will overflow into your homes for how you can love your husbands, train up your kids um, and, you know, into your local communities or however you're serving at church too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree with that, Diane. And that's one thing I've deeply enjoyed about following you and Ethan is, is y'all's love for the word and how high y'all hold the authority of scripture. Um, and then Ethan, one day I sat in your office and we talked about Gen Z and then their value for truth. I love that. It, Paul, it reminds me of when we had Tara Lee Cobble on mm-hmm. um, a, a little while ago that uh, does the Bible recap and just her love for scripture and the intentionality there. And I love that. And so Ethan and Diane, you do that as a couple together. So as we talk about like serving the next generation as a couple together, um, what is the benefit do you think of serving as a couple together and running this race together? What's the benefit of that? Well, the great thing is, is it's something that, I mean, we have three kids as well. And so we take this uh, as a family. Uh, so my, my children are involved. Uh, my kids come on our midweek. My kids are there. My son, who's 10, started running the slides for our worship team. And wow. you want to get all, all family involvement with this. And we, 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 how dare we think and talk discipleship with Gen Z if I'm not even doing it with my own children. And so for Diane and I, full family involvement is a high priority because the big thing that me and her discussed uh, going into ministry is that family always comes first. Mm-hmm. Uh, my priority is got to be my family because if I don't have my family in order, how on earth can I be an effective minister of God's word if I've got my wife who's disgruntled at me or my kids that I'm not spending time with? And so when we do this together, it's, it's been super encouraging because prior to all of this, I was in the military and she did her stuff. And we had like this, this two parallel tracks of life that we were running, but they never really merged together. And then now God allows us to work together. And when we, when we do ministry together, it's really, uh, we have, I would say two roles in the ministry with this is I'm the primary leader of this. And then I'll, I'll let you talk about what that is, but um, when we are doing this together, it's just, we're moving forward together as a family towards the same kind of goal and objective. And we all have to share and we have to vocalize that. I can't just be pioneering this and then dying in the kids. Come on. Like we're talking to the kids and we're getting their involvement because I grew up as a pastor's kid. And I remember I was drugged to that church every single time mm-hmm. the doors were open mm-hmm. and I wasn't allowed to do anything. Yeah, it was like, you know, just sit there, be quiet, shut up and keep your hands on your lap and just pay attention. And, you know, I just was like, man, like I kind of bucked at that system. 
So I'm like, we're not doing it that way. And so, um, so my role is obviously the primary preacher, teacher, uh, and leader within the ministry. And then Talk talk about how you kind of help me out. Yeah, so just coming alongside him, I do spend a lot of time with the women, so that'll look more like one-on-one mentorship. Um, I've led Bible studies, but what's what's been interesting is as we've been navigating um, what this looks like as a family, we've kind of shifted the dynamic because it's so easy to get so busy. There's, you know, they have a lot of needs, and you want to be there for all of them, but you can't. Someone recently told me um, there will always be more need than the capacity that you have to give, and especially as a wife and mom, like I. I firmly believe that my first calling is to obviously love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, but loving my immediate neighbor, which, and to be a helpmate to my husband, Ethan, and then to train up my kids. So whatever I'm giving to people should always be an overflow of what's already happening in my personal walk with God. And the temptation and the tendency is to see all these needs and jump on it and be like, yes, I need to do a coffee date here. I need to pour into someone who needs extra attention. But we've tried to work as a family, yes, to be there for people, but to also, um, equip our leadership team so that the burden isn't just falling on us. And so we're in a season currently where it's like, okay, I like, I need to be there to support you. I need to be there for my kids. And um, so we just kind of go season by season and see like, as the needs of our family change, what that looks like. And one thing Ethan said to me recently is, you know, you're not the pastor. and So I don't, I shouldn't feel this burden to, I'm not the one called to um, do everything that he's doing. I shouldn't feel the need to like imitate everything that he's doing. Um, And so, yeah, that's been a good, like a good word to hear from you. It just really released me from feeling anything that, you know, I don't need to carry this burden that I wasn't meant to carry. So. Yeah, that is such a good word. Um, Ethan and Diane, y'all sharing that together and sharing that with those who are listening, because I think a lot of times um, spouses especially feel that pressure. Um, And let's just be honest, uh, a lot of churches put pressure on there, you know, because they think, oh, this is a two for one special, you know, it's like, this is buy one, get one free, right? We're we're hiring this person to be on staff and we get their spouse and they put all these expectations and uh, we need to, you know, I think sometimes in a healthy kind of way, push back against those unrealistic expectations. And I I love that. Well, let's talk about kids because y'all do, y'all have kiddos. And and I love that y'all have already kind of alluded to this, but doing ministry as a family, um, I think that's one thing that my wife, Casey says so well, it's like, you know, this is a calling on our whole family. It's not Mm -hmm. what mom does and what dad does. And we stay back and watch it. Like this is a calling upon all of us. Um, So talk about that and how, y'all do this as a family and serve together as a family? Yeah, so um, practically speaking, sometimes it looks like if they need to, you know, stuff things that we're putting together to give away, it's like just very hands-on. Other times they're actually sitting in on the classes and and listening. Um, Usually after the the preaching and worship is done, there's just a lot of free time for people to hang out. So they're playing sports with other people. Um, I'm trying to think of other, like we said, running the slides. Well, the thing is too, is so we... uh, we want the kids and Shane, you kind of said this already. This isn't just mom and dad's thing, but this is our family thing. And the last thing I want is my kids to dread going into church on a Tuesday night. Like, Oh, we got to go to crossroads. No, like they love it Mm -hmm. and they're passionate and excited about it. And what is awesome too, is the young adults in our group are, I see these young men pouring into my son. I see these young women talking and engaging with my eight-year-old and my six-year-old. And so they're now seeing what interactions look like in the proper right role model sense with these individuals. And then also 
they're talking with them about Christ and like what's going on at school. And you see this interest because what I see is the older generation ahead of us, like our generation, they, they don't necessarily do that with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're kind of resetting the cultural temperature trend about what the expectation is coming from this point on in the future. Instead of it being, no, you young people serve me. No, I'm older than you. Let me serve you. And these guys, like, you know, we've got baseball players at the local campus. We've got other people, these professionals, they're sitting there, you know, playing nine square with my son or my daughters love to bring the roller skates and they're helping the girls roller skate around. And it's just the full family involvement. And then they do worship with us and we let our kids express themselves, which is why we on Sunday morning sit in the balcony because they like to dance when they worship (laughs) because we enjoy that too. And so like they dance and they have a good time. And then we have some of our uh, young adults who are early education majors, they take all the kids of all our leaders into a breakout room, and then they just kind of do small Bible study with them as well. And I would add that what's been super cool is, I think kind of when I thought about going in, well, you going into ministry was like, it was more of the programming or, you know, the things that are playing the events. Mm-hmm. But what I'm seeing is a lot of these young adults, these college students, they're coming to us and they're like, my family doesn't look like this. I didn't know that a family could look this way. So what we're teaching is kind of just a result of our living. And sometimes that's the most effective thing we can do. Yeah. Absolutely. What, what Dine's done a lot of is like what she was saying is like finding and navigating this tempo of allowing young women to come for her to speak into is what she's done that I think is really awesome is like, you know, Hey, come with me to my kid's soccer practice or come over to my house uh, I've got to clean the house. You want to clean the house with me is especially for a college student. Like they don't get that, uh, ex- you know, experience when they're at college and they, a lot of them do miss, uh, especially like younger freshmen. So they miss that dynamic or they have dinner with us. And a lot of people come from broken homes and yes. wow, this is cool to see what a family looks like. Uh, because I mean, they get the raw us and mm-hmm. that transparency of, when they see us on a Tuesday night and then they come over to our house on whatever other day, they're like, okay, no, this is in fact how the Jago family lives. And they're not just some polished couple at church. Like, no, we're sadly yeah. raw and failing <laughs> in many instances and stuff like that. So. Uh, yeah, I love that. And that's a great point. That is a form of discipleship that y'all are displaying how you operate as husband and wife, how you operate as parents in front of college students and young adults, because unfortunately so many did not grow up in a household like y'all have. And so that's a great opportunity for discipleship. I love that. Yeah, man, that, when you guys mentioned that, it just hit different because I feel like that is so true. I've just seen people are shocked by what is just normal in a healthy relationship or in a healthy family. And, and like, um, so they, some of my best discipleship meetings have been, while we're watching my son at the park or while we're have him over for dinner or the, the house is messy and I'm changing, I'm changing diapers and trying yeah. to help with their dating struggle and getting the kid to hold still, you know, or whatever. It's like, um, that some yeah. of those have been the best, um, or just handing the handing a, a college guy, <laughs> a baby and just seeing him be so awkward with it, you know, that's right. the best parts of ministry. So thank you guys for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. And, um, someone once said that it's, it's not about balancing, but blending. How do you, how do you blend all the various elements that God's called you to into one package of life and, and make that work together? And, mm-hmm. So thank you so much for sharing that, guys. And so that kind of leads into this next question. There's a lot of next-gen leaders called to serve the church. 
but maybe one of the spouses has another job and maybe they're doing seminary or there's all these other elements in play. Um, what advice would you have to a couple that's kind of finds themselves in that, in that zone? So that's a good question. There's actually a, a gentleman that helps me out in one of our other satellite campuses who had this exact question for me. And, you know, coming from a, uh, a young adults pastor perspective, I'm going to be giving you my, my view of what my role is, is I believe that a young adults pastor, a college pastor, next gen pastor, you, your first and primary duty is you are a pastor. You are to preach and to proclaim God's word. So therefore, you need to be able to make sure that you're meeting the requirements of 1 Timothy chapter 3 and also Titus chapter 1. Yeah. And part of that is having, uh, you know, your family in order, but then also, too, having the support of your wife. I don't think, no, I, I'm almost certain that there's no way I could effectively minister if my wife was not on board. Yeah. And if I, I, there's no way, she'd be like, why do you have to do this? Why do you have to do that? And so what I would suggest is, if you actually have that calling and you need to make sure that it's actually the call of God on your life to be a, a pastor in that role, you need to take it seriously. And just because if you're a youth pastor or a next gen pastor or a college pastor, it doesn't matter. Right. You're still the shepherd of these, you're the under shepherd of these souls and their care and guidance is in your hands mm -hmm. and you're going to be held to a higher different standard. And so I've, I have to take the weight and seriousness of this. And, you know, it, you just can't just, well, it's just this. No, mm. you wouldn't be a senior pastor and your wife be against it. You know, right. that's just not the thing. Now, can I be a young adults pastor and then my wife also work a job? Yes. As long as she's supporting me, as long as she's, she understands that the priority of my job is the care and tending of these individuals' souls and their well-being and that my job this is this may be bad, but my job takes priority mm -hmm. over a secular job. Right. Uh, so preaching and teaching and proclaiming God's word and discipling takes priority over uh, Diane working at Target or whatever else it is that the individual is doing. Yeah. So even with deeply rooted, right? So that that is what she does. Is she's a writer and she does deeply rooted. If there's needs that I have within my ministry, deeply rooted has to take a hit and a pause and has to go on the back burner so she can come and support me. Uh, because her role is to support me. Her role is to help and take care of the kids. If she's working a full-time job and I'm working my full-time job in ministry, who's taking care of my kids, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want anyone else to raise my kids. Now there's instances in which I think it is okay. And you know, you, you need help and you need someone else to come in and speak into your kids' lives and stuff like that. But priority, I mean, her priority, especially for us biblically as well as she is the caretaker and the shepherd of our kids' souls as well. And then I'm obviously overseeing that and helping them as well. I mean, you got anything you want to add to that too? I would say before Ethan was called into full-time ministry, he, we had mentioned he was in the military. And so we were serving in college ministry yeah. together as a couple too. Um, and so what that looks like was definitely like it was in the access time that we had, which would cut into family time. And so again, it's priorities. It's looking at your seasons. It's letting your people know, hey, this isn't my full-time gig. And also just being willing to spread the load with the leadership team. And I think that's one of your strengths is seeing people who are responsible, who have vision and pulling them alongside um, to help. But yeah, it's difficult because not every church has the capacity to hire mm -hmm. a full-time college or next-gen person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry. I, I think I may have even misunderstood the question. So All this good stuff yeah, if, <laughs> if, yeah if, if you're called into this ministry and you can't get hired as a full-time individual, um, 
you, you still need to serve. Like if right. your calling's your calling. And at the time in which the timing might not be right for you to be in a full-time paid position, but whatever opportunities you have to volunteer, you'll make it work. Uh, you know, there's a thing though, too, that I think is a willingness to serve and a necessity to serve. There could be some differentiations between the two is I'm willing to serve, but at this point in time and season of my life, am I the best person suited to serve? Right. Or maybe I can only serve for a very small, short period of time to kind of get it off the ground until God brings somebody else in. And you need to be okay and you need to be open-handed with the ministry and not think that, no, this is mine. And if God brings somebody else along, that's like, no, dude, I, with my job, I can put a lot more time in this. You need to be willing to step out and let them step in. Um, but yeah, thank you for redirecting that mm-hmm. question back to oh, what they're nice. asking. Yeah, you guys nailed that. And I think the thing that I, I think is the, the thing that, that is, boils down what you're saying is the prior, prioritization, make, a, make it a priority and, and get from God the direction. And, you know, even from God's word is like, this is a, so if you're called to be a pastor of any sort, that's a sober calling. And like that really shapes and informs the direction um, that your whole family is kind of like, it's not really our choice in that matter. When we get our, our marching orders from God, mm-hmm. like that's the direction that we need to point yeah. our lives in. And uh, I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. And so we're going to shift gears a little bit to what would you say is the most difficult thing Gen Z is facing in culture today? Do you want to go first? Um- I was just going to say, what's funny is last night we did kind of a live Q&A at our uh, college and young adult meeting. And so we had a poll where we asked them, what is the most difficult thing that you're wow. facing today? And it was cool to kind of see their responses, but you can elaborate on that. Man, the, what blows my mind with this generation, and uh, you know, it was at the Collegiate Summit that Paul, you and I were there, and I was polling the people there too, is at least in my area, and we may be an anomaly here, but our guys and girls are wired on with what's happening throughout the culture, what's happening in social media, and they've got spiritual discernment and they're seeing these things. I would say you can categorize this into large brackets is uh, the sexuality, anything from sexual sins to identity to gender roles. We have that. Then we also have Christian living, which is, I I would say, a a second iteration of that. And then thirdly, I think the biggest thing is is what worldview uh, are they looking at? I mean, in each, under each one of these three major topics, I mean, there's just a litany of subtopics and categories that you can engage on. Um, but the biggest thing that I've noticed, if I could summarize this, um, and Kristen Smith actually did this research too, and I love the term that they came up with. Uh, they pulled 3,000 young adults, and it's called moralistic therapeutic deism. Mm-hmm. And what do I mean by that? And uh, based off your smile, I'm thinking, Shane, you're tracking with what I'm talking <laughs> oh, about yeah. here too. Is so if you think about deism, deism is like it's a it's a a deity or some sort that kind of get got the world in motion, but is not personally interacting with the universe. It's kind of hands off. And then the moralistic therapeutic is that it's a pragmatic approach. Is that uh, I'm doing this. God just wants me to be happy. The purpose of my life is for me to have you know fun times and this and this and this and that. There isn't really one wrong or right way. As long as you're doing something, that's what's happening. And what my, I guess you could say, axe to grind that I've been doing with our group is to push one person on one side of the fence or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, my verse, I guess you could say, that impacted me on my testimony is Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, is that many will say to me, Lord, Lord, mm-hmm. oh, but wait, what does he say? Like, depart from you, me, I never knew you. Mm -hmm. And that affected me because I was a self-deceived Christian. I had 
walked down the aisle. I had gotten baptized. And it wasn't until I was 18 that I realized I have no personal relationship with Christ. Right. And we've got all these nominal Christians and cultural Christians, especially in our region of the Bible Belt, not so much in California and the Northwest and the Northeast and stuff, but definitely down here South is I want you to know either that you are not a Christian or that you are a Christian and you need to figure that out. Right. First and foremost, let's work with that. Like, let's get, let's, let's get everybody back to like a fundamental basis of like, you're a Christian, or you're not a Christian. Yep. Okay. Yep. If you're not a Christian, you can be in this group. That's absolutely fine. But let's, let's talk to you and let's see what, what's going on inside you. Let's work with you. But then if you are a Christian, I want you to know that you know that you're a believer and that you have the assurance of faith. So though that's like a, a huge answer probably to your question, but the biggest problem that I see is moralistic therapeutic deism, which in my opinion is rooted into humanism, which is just a rise of secularism. If you've ever read Charles Taylor's book, incredible book on the rise of secularism, it's just insane as it gives you kind of this background psychology and mindset of how secularism has risen. And then our Gen Z are engaging that. Yep. And then we've also got that book too, which kind of iterates, it's a, it's a secular book, but the coddling of the American mind <laughs> and incredible book too. And that even you, you start, you just see this. And as I've been doing my research for my education stuff, I'm just tracking this thread that's just interwoven within everything. And on this thread, you just got all these different offshoots of these issues that are mm -hmm. coming up, which if you think about like the law of causality, you know, for every cause, there's an effect. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with all of these effects and us as ministers, let's not engage all of mm -hmm. these different effects of CRT, intersectionality, social justice, LBGTQ, abortion, like the sin is the problem. The sin is the cause. Mm -hmm. These are all the byproduct effects of the original sin. So I could sit here and play whack-a-mole with all these different topics, but nothing's ever going to get solved. If I can't show these individuals, these young people, original sin is what you've got to wrestle with first. Let's take care of that. And I think everything else is going to begin to make sense. You're going to have clear answers. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Ethan, I agree with you 100%. That's one of the things I've been saying here recently. I would say over the last year is even on the teaching aspect, uh, especially with Gen Z, like uh, if they come into our, our services or our Bible studies or small groups, and basically they just hear a self-help pep talk with Bible verses out of context, uh, that's like white noise to them because they hear that everywhere. Um, and so people go, well, how do we cut through the white noise? I go, preach the Bible because they will not hear that anywhere. You know what I mean? And so like if they come in and if you go, here's what the word of God says with authority and clarity and yes. these promises are those who are followers of Jesus and these promises are not for you if you're not a follower of Jesus but yes. they can be and <laughs> the, the world is jacked up you're jacked up our hope <laughs> is Jesus yeah. what I found is even if they don't agree with it at first or even if they don't like it there's an immediate respect for your authenticity yeah. and for your belief you know even there's a, even respect I think they go well I don't believe that but I can tell you believe that, yeah, yeah. and I respect that, you know? And so, wow. like, I'm just saying, like, so get rid of the self-help pep talks. Um, they're over that and tired of that anyway. Dude, they don't want like, that. It cuts through. Yeah, it that, cuts you through. You want that, that you just through. pop on Instagram Reels. You just pop on YouTube. I mean, yeah, yeah think about this, too. The average attention span of a Gen Zer is eight seconds. Think yeah. about that, eight seconds. Yeah. And yeah. primarily, they're used to getting these snack-sized portions of information bit, bit, by, bit by bit. So they've got this filter of eight seconds. If yeah. you can break through that filter of eight seconds in which you're speaking truth and love, and that's through the scriptures, then you move them into an engagement mode where you just preach the word of God. 
whoa, that sounds, he's speaking objective truth claims. Because when you talk from scripture, yep. think about it, it's a huge objective truth claim. You just give out a blatant statement, Jesus is the only way. That eight second filter now is like, okay, you passed that eight second filter. What's Shane saying here? I want to listen to what, that's different than what this guy's saying. And so that's the, I would say a large issue that we as, you know, college ministers and young adults and next gen people got to work through. You've got an eight second window of a, a basically appealing to them in which they're either, no, you sound like everybody else or that sounds different. Yes, And yeah. you've got to go against that cultural norm. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I love it. And we got a great opportunity, especially with Gen Z is because every generation has a rebellion in them, meaning like they want to rebel against cultural yeah. norms. And there's not a greater rebellion possibility right now than believing Jesus is God believing the Bible is inerrant and actually living it, like yep. that's rebelling against culture. You know what I mean? And so yeah. what if Gen Z's rebellion is to actually believe the word of God, you know what I mean? And live it out. Like how amazing and, would that be? And you know? so, you know, we always talk about, you know, within the Baptist world, revival, revival, revival. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the revival is going to come not from like what we've seen in the past. It's going to be a scriptural revival. And it's going to be yeah. a revival of individuals coming back to sola scriptura of like scripture alone mm -hmm. and just seeing, wow, this is all I need. You know, obviously we have everything else, but like scripture is going to be the source of life for me and what I'm doing. Dude, we do that, bro. We, we get them to see the value and the authority and the power of scripture. That is what's going to change lives that not, not programs, not events, not, a, you know, Y'all want, we want revival. Let's, let's bring it back to the word of God. What has always worked is if you look at Acts, who added to, who added to their number? The Lord added to their number day by day by the preaching, the breaking of bread and of prayer. It's just, it's awesome, man. Like that's what we've been praying about. And that's what we've been talking about. It's like, yeah, I want a revival, but I want a revival first and foremost for Christians to come back to recognize and understand the authority of scripture. Mm -hmm. And then a natural overflow of that is going to be a revival of the lost of those people coming to know who Christ is, because we got to fix ourselves. We've got to know what we believe, why we believe it, be rooted in the scriptures, have grounding interests. So when we do come across someone who's asking us for the reason of hope that is within us, first Peter three fifteen, I can give them the answers. And that's going to be a natural extension overflow of evangelism. So let's fix this. I love and then it. a natural fix of this with revival of scripture is going to be an incredible movement that's sustainable and that's maintainable because it's not built off of any other foundation other than the word of God. And that is going to be just timeless throughout the rest of the generations, you know? Yeah, I love it. Um, uh, a 19 year old said this uh, several weeks ago at an event I was at and man, it was a truth bomb. And he was kind of calling out our generations. He said, Hey, Gen X and millennials were trying to make Christianity cool. We yeah. don't care about that. We just want it to be holy again. I was like, yeah. come on. Yeah. I was like, come on. I was like, preach, preach. Love I was it, like, dude. I don't need to preach. You need to get up there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, hey, Ethan, Diane, this has been so amazing. Listen, we always uh, close our Next Gen on Mission podcast with the same on mission charge that the heart behind this podcast is to see the next generation realize they are the now generation, not the future of the church, but the church right now, that they have a mission now. So would y'all give us one closing thought on this and one practical next step for those who are listening? Do you want me to do this or do you want to do this? You can take it. <laughs> I would say if you're a Gen Zer and you're listening to this, get involved in your local church, get plugged in with your local church, join that local church. Well, I'm only there for six months. I'm only there for a couple of years. I don't care. You need to be involved in the church. We shall not neglect the meeting together, right? Like That's get together, get involved in a church. 
use your gifts and talents. Like you're going to college for what? Like, what are you passionate about? What is you, what motivates you when you get up out of bed? You use that. Where did that come from? That's not from you. Everything is every good and perfect gift is from God. And if God is sovereign and he has control over everything, he has given you that for a specific reason, be on mission and do what God has given you the ability, the desire, the talents, the passion to do, not for yourself, not for your platform, for the proclamation of the gospel, for the growth yeah. of the kingdom in your local church. You're, you're not going to be anything more than yourself if you're not involved mm -hmm. in Christian living, Christian community. Do it. Get involved. Help out where you're thinking, well, I'm not very helpful. Dude, if, you, if you're in Paul's group, you're in Shane's group, I guarantee you yep. we could put you to work in some way, shape, or form, and we will use you for your gifts and talents where you're not going to be just moving boxes. Like we're going to help you out because we want to see you be the force multipliers going forward and you creating, you sustaining the cyclical motion. We've got to be able to get them into this and plug in with your church, get involved in your church. I don't care if you're only there for a couple of years, move your letter. Once you move out of that school, maybe God has called you there. And what we've been seeing in our area is a lot of our students here, they love this area and they stay here. Oh, I say, awesome. look, you've been here for five plus years. Why haven't you been a member yet? You need to be a member of this church. You need to have that accountability. You need to have that for church discipline, for accountability, for all these other things. Get involved in your church. So that would be, I'd say, my charge for any Gen Zer listening to this. For any pastor or minister or collegiate guy, stay faithful to the word of God. Mm -hmm. Stay faithful to proclaiming the word of God. Do not lower the content of the gospel to meet the culture, yes. but raise the culture to meet the content of the gospel. Don't wow. be scared to back down from the difficult passages. Gen Z wants to hear that. Don't be scared to engage them uh, with scripture in a holy and utmost respectable way, but don't you dare lower or water down the content of the gospel mm -hmm. because it may be offensive. That's good. Yeah, that's right. Do that's it right. with love though. We've got to think about mm -hmm. that. Any way we communicate, we've got to convey the truth of the scriptures in love. So mm -hmm. that's my challenge to both Gen Z and also to every minister and collegiate guy. Oh man, that, that was so good. <laughs> I can totally see that. The students, the young people that go all in with the church, those are the ones that God blesses with more power from his spirit and clear direction on discovering their gifts and all that. But it starts with that all in commitment to man, I'm gonna stack chairs, I'm gonna do whatever it takes yeah. to help this church move forward. And that's where like God's like, hey, I can use that person and so uh, as collegiate leaders or youth pastors, whoever you are, I think we should not be apologizing for asking too much of young people. We should be apologizing no. if we're not asking enough because yeah. we're on this mission together. We need to be yeah. just pushing forward. And so, yes, man, you guys, we could go all day about this, yeah. <laughs> but um, for our listeners, what are some ways that our listeners can connect with y'all, either your websites or social media, et cetera? Yeah. So um, yours is battlefieldtheologian.com. Um, we, we are at olivebaptist.org. That's our church, Olive Baptist. And Crossroads is our college ministry. If you're ever in Pensacola, please come visit us. And then our magazine is deeplyrootedmag.com or at deeplyrootedmag on Instagram. So. That's yep. awesome. Hey, Ethan, Diane, thank y'all so much. A wealth of just wisdom and experience and so practical uh, and inspirational. And, and Paul, I agree with you. We could have this conversation all day with Ethan and Diane. We'll definitely have to have you guys back on. 
And friends, thank you so much for listening to another conversation here on the Next Gen on Mission podcast. If you have any questions on reaching the next generation, please email us at evangelism at nam.net. And we'll try to address those on a future podcast. Also, if this is helpful to you and you're enjoying this, be sure uh, to give it a, a five-star rating, um, share it with your friends, uh, make some comments. Um, and we just pray that this is a help to you uh, in knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. We pray that you have a great rest of your day and tell somebody about Jesus. Jesus.